Mini episode 174 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by DOU Productions, delivering coverage of sports and pop culture through columns, live blogs, and original videos. Follow them on the web at generationshatter.blogspot.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Okay, folks, welcome to video episode number 174. We are winding down the Kyle Ross history of SummerSlam anthology. Rick Morris and Kyle Ross, this is part 4A. We are doing 
with WrestleMania, for instance, I think we kind of painted a lot of the last WrestleMania's one broad stroke, but they run together, especially towards the end. Now, there, there's some stuff in these first couple SummerSlams that we're going to hit on in this particular episode, Ricky, that were real good, but I just don't think, and maybe I'll change my mind as we talk about it. Sometimes when you start talking, you're like, oh, man, you know, that one was really good. Mm-hmm. I think we're done with the upper tier SummerSlams, though. I think there's so. been 25 of them now, yeah. and the upper tier to me would be just 2002, 2000, 98, uh, 92, and 01. Right. I think they're really, none of those we're going to talk about here, I don't think meet up those levels. There's maybe one or two, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll remind me of something. All right, and the way that we're going to do this again, and, and touching on these, because we're, we're moving faster on the last ones here, same reason as WrestleMania, because they're more fresh in everybody's mind. There's still some things that we may glean looking back on them in the years to come. We're going to talk about the main event for each one, and then the handful of other matches that meant anything, and we may end up just glossing over even those if they didn't mean a whole there's lot. There's some SummerSlam. I mean, I know there's one SummerSlam in particular that we may, you know, I mean, that, that is just, you know, a couple passing sentences. If, if it's a lot of resistance world tag team title match, hit the bricks, pal, we're not even bothering with it. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the ones that, in a historical sense, matter on each one. Yeah, because once again, in a macro sense, it's a lot of what could have been and just bad timing, bad execution. Yep. You know, basically our usual Rick Morris, Kyle Ross complaining about what yes. we would have done instead. Yes, so. and how it would have been much better. Yeah, yeah okay. Yes. So, well, shall we begin? Uh, we, we we shall. Now, on on 3 I'll I'll let you uh, have the preference here. Do you want to start with the uh, the main event, uh, the Elimination Chamber, or uh, you want to start uh, by building up to it? What what's your feel? I'll just I guess briefly mention the SmackDown title match. Okay. The. Angle Lesnar. First ever split uh, world titles. That, that, that's a great point. That's yeah. a great point, Ricky. You know, 02 was the first SummerSlam post brand split, but it was still the early stage of they were trying to feeling out what they wanted to do. Last one, uh, last pay per view ever with a unified world title. Yes, they, they, that was obviously the ascension of Brock Lesnar to the top of the pecking order. Mm-hmm. And the following year, you have two world champions at this point. That Angle Lesnar thing was. It was kind of messy. Well, it was a good. It was a very good match. I, I think it's a top fifteen SummerSlam match yeah. ever they have. But it wasn't it messy because Angle to me is never a good face. He's a natural heel, and, and for he the had, second time in three years, he was a big time uh, face at SummerSlam. It was Austin in one Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was good at it, and I'm not saying they were wrong for doing it, but that was just messy. Remember, they they just. There was obviously it was weird because at WrestleMania these two had worked against each right. other when you know Angle was really hurt. Lesnar almost became even more hurt when he screwed up the Shooting Star Press at Rus- in Seattle at WrestleMania 19. But you know this was a solid match. But I think this was the last time that Smack the SmackDown title was really on par with the yes. Raw title from this point forward. It was really always the secondary title. Absolutely. And, and I'm going to say also, too, and this is my usual thing of uh, some are going to think that this is a little too harsh, but as far as Kurt Angle being the baby face coming back, it's because a bad writing team wasn't good enough to be able to fight the sheep that were giving him the comeback pop. That's all it was. We love you, Kurt. You almost broke your back. Well, sometimes. That's, that's what it is. Call it harsh, but that's what it is. It kind of is. Now, I kind of take a different tact. Okay. And I've always been in the approach that if the fans want to write the storyline for you, don't get in their way, unless of it is going to do long-term damage. And now it was interesting because by 04, yeah. Angle was reprised and kind of the old hero all the stuff. You know, he's obviously when he went on the field with Eddie Guerrero. Right. And, and, and even years, Kurt Angle was a bad guy at SummerSlam. Yeah. It just, it just seemed that <laughs> logistically... It's like the Brett Sabre-Hagan thing from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Logistically, Angle and Lesnar, it seemed like a dream match on paper. That wasn't ever really... Did you think the main... Like, you know, John Q. Walmart... Oh, no. This oh, is no. All-time great free... It was not a mainstream thing. As far as a feud goes, though... I mean, it was it was, it was really good. And this was the right. best match of the night. Now, what I think I'd rather talk about, and what yeah. ties in more to the overlying theory we're talking about, is the Raw Elimination Chamber. Okay. This was still this was in the second Elimination Chamber, so the gimmick was still really, really over 
at this point. It was right? before they devalued it by doing the two now that they do it every By time. the way, th- this might be the only other thing really oh. worth talking about on the show here. The guy who decided it would be an elimination chamber in the storyline, Eric Bischoff, was defeated by Shane McMahon in a, in a false count anywhere match. No. Probably the only other match we even needed to talk about. Sure. And it's interesting you did bring that up there, Ricky. Yeah. Because there's a lot of matches that you look back mm-hmm. and you, you see, oh yeah, that's right, that happened here. Wait, what happened? You know, it, when you see Shane McMahon versus Eric Bischoff, right. that seems like such a big deal, right? The only thing I remember from that entire feud is Shane getting his nards electrified by Kane. Yeah, exactly. I was going to that the other night, yeah, actually. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it, th- that obviously didn't mean what it could have. Right. And with this elimination chamber, it was very clear from their perspective what they wanted to accomplish. They wanted to firmly establish Goldberg as the number one contender. They did the yep. thing where he eliminated everyone but still lost the match. Triple H got him. You know, Goldberg came in, I believe he was the last guy out of the pod. He started just spearing everyone, and, yep. you know, everyone believed he was going to win. And he eventually did win the next month, but had they done more right, particularly on this time period, because 2002 and 2003 were a wretchedly booked period, mm-hmm. and the years that followed, there was some wretched booking as well. Had they gotten more things right, I could just give them a pass on doing this. Because it seems real simple. Because Goldberg, he does. He wins the title, I believe, the next month at Unforgiven. Yep. Holds on to it uh, until Armageddon, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, okay. until December. It was just one of those things. The crowd really wanted something. They didn't deliver. The, the crowd that paid money that night really believed, I think, that Goldberg was going to get the title in that match. Mm-hmm. He didn't. And it was just one of those things. People were like, come on. You know, like. They were just getting mad at the booking team again. It's a very minor thing, but I thought the whole Goldberg, the whole year he was in, mm-hmm. it didn't mean as much as it should have, Ricky. I mean, they just kind of did his retread act from WCW. Right. He was, And he wasn't... Here's what's interesting to me, and we can tie this back into the invasion, that obviously, you know, his contract was longer, and, you know, they were they certainly... As great as the invasion could have been. Right. It'll be interesting. I don't know if they could have dragged it all out to 2003. When Goldberg was available, no, no. I mean, I mean, there's some questions. All right, if it's going real well, does he give up his contract? I don't know. I mean, these are all hypothetical questions, right? But I always thought Goldberg should have been brought in as a heel. You, you've said that before, and again, I just, I, I just think the sheeple are going to cheer him no matter what. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think. Goldberg. I, I think that that far be it for me to agree with Kevin Nash on anything. Mm-hmm. And everyone makes fun of how he was the guy to end the streak. Yep. Uh, in back in WCW Starcade '98, he does bring up a good point that there was kind of there wasn't kind of there was a Goldberg sucks chance leading up to that match. When Nash wins, the live crowd does pop huge. Yeah. I think. Well, the Wolfpack was really over. They were. They were. But I think Goldberg's invincibility as a babyface. Just because WCW implored the way it did, right. has become kind of overstated through the years. Well, and, and here's the other thing too. I, I, I thought, and granted, logistically this one made sense because Rock left again during yeah. this period. I thought in my head when I'm just you know dreaming what I would have. I think a Rock Goldberg kind of we're in Hollywood, we're larger than life guys, mm-hmm. we're too good for you. Mm-hmm. The Rock was already kind of doing that at right. WrestleMania. If Goldberg would have kind of come in with him mm-hmm. rather than. Hold that thought behind me, by the way. Okay. Would have been better to do Rock and Goldberg as a team. But what they did was, and this is why I wanted you to hold it, mm-hmm. they had, remember, they had the heel Rock. The yeah. whole point of the heel turn Rock yeah. was to put over Goldberg as the incoming babyface. That didn't feel right either. I don't think. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things when you put it on paper, okay, we've got this big mega the heel. Fans want he's it. The fans I don't think, I don't I think Goldberg's run was very successful. I, well, but here's the People thing. always dog on Ric Flair's run right. in 91-92. Much better run than Goldberg's. Oh, significantly. But here's the other thing. And, and, and this is a parallel that you're going to find kind of weird. And I'm not going to say it's the exact same thing. But when we talked about 94 with Luger, and when they, or 93 rather, at SummerSlam, when they decided to draw out the chase until WrestleMania in 94, and Luger ended up never getting the title. And I said to you, Luger couldn't afford that because of everything that happened before. When Goldberg got the title in September of '03, it had—we forget this—it would—it had been almost five years since the man had won a world title. December of '98. I mean, he was never a champion towards. No, 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 dude. He never held the world title after he lost it to Nash. I don't believe. 
Really? No. I don't believe Not even that. in that 99 run, I don't believe. No. I'll, Are I'll, you sure? I'll look there. I'll rem- now, I'm certainly not right. faulting your players. I remember in the Russo period, didn't they reprise the Montreal finish? Or did they do it to screw him? Um, I can't remember anymore. The, the, I remember him wrestling... Did, uh... I remember him wrestling in title match. I don't know, but that's so sad that I can't remember if he won. Yeah. And he, was, he had that big heel run, too. Remember Bischoff, the heel turn that McMahon can't stop? Right. I don't think he won it there, though, either. Right. Uh, I'm looking at this to see here. Um, it would have been that... Because Russo started playing hot potato with the belt. Right. You know what? He didn't. He didn't. Not hard. That's right. Yeah, what, what, cost him. They did the tournament... That, remember that ridiculous tournament they did? Right. Hart won it. And then he wound up getting stripped of it. He never yeah. got beat because remember he got hurt. And then, they, right. then came the Sid, Benoit, Benoit leaving. Yeah. He never did win it. Wow, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I was wondering about like uh, early fall of 2000 during that whole period there with Russo. But I don't think that was Booker T was always the face that had the belt, uh, not Goldberg. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, that was... Okay. Oh, and I remember what it was, but it was because Goldberg speared Russo through the cage, and that's how Booker T lost the title. I knew that Goldberg was involved somehow. So I was right. So it had been almost five years since Goldberg had had the World Heavyweight title. So they're looking at it like, what's the harm? Draw out the chase for another month. Goldberg coming in, having, as you said, kind of a soft thing into the company here, that feud against Jericho, which kind of, you know, was kind of a wet fart. And by the way, he was kind of a good initial feud that, you know, there's some history. Although I didn't like... But, but the I net wasn't fair to Jericho. The net being what it is, I think word had gotten out about the backstage thing where Jericho punked him. I think that, that cut his legs out from underneath him, too. I don't think Goldberg had the margin of error to wait one more month. And here's the thing here about SummerSlam. Now that we're in the era, and this has been the case for several years now, of where you have 12 pay-per-views a year, mm-hmm. so, sometimes it's been more than that since then, there's a tendency to make SummerSlam... Just another pay-per-view, I don't like as that. opposed to one of the big five or big four. I don't like that. And would you agree with me that the finish in this match suggests exactly that? Triple H is going to hang on to it, and then at, at the version at, at the SummerSlam Backlash, or you know, uh, Unforgiven, it ends up being Goldberg. Um, this just came to me, and, I, and this is okay. why maybe we should give them a pass. Maybe, okay. maybe we're being too critical. Okay. They had started doing the grand-only pay-per-views during this period. Yes. I mean, they were very new. I believe the first was June 03. You're absolutely right. Bad blood. And so Unforgiven was a raw-only pay-per-view. Yes. They needed their their thinking. This is clearly what they were thinking. I'm I'm not defending, criticizing, but their thinking was clearly, well, we need a big sell for this next raw-only pay-per-view. Goldberg Triple H. Boom. You're right. You couldn't do it, because especially because it hadn't been one-on-one. Yeah. You know, so... Don't go saying, Kyle. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what that was their thinking. I'm not All criticizing right. or defending it. All that right. was their thinking. It was again just an awful thing. Triple H with a sledgehammer at the end, cliched, you know, bad Triple guy. H was kind of annoying. He was pretty annoying. This was the height of his political power it and gamesmanship. He had held on to the title except for that little cup of coffee Michaels had with it. Yeah. Um, the entire year since the previous since they, since they just gave it yeah. given it to him. And I guess they were trying to. I guess that's. You know, I, I will say this, not to give, you know, Triple H a pass. You do want to, if you're going to do something awful, like just hand a guy a title, I yeah. guess you do want to establish it doesn't make sense to start changing it right away. Well, they, in the, they didn't have to do the storyline where it got handed to him in the first place. They could have done, like, a four-man four yeah. tournament or something. Or I don't think there should have been two titles. No, it shouldn't have been, but I'm saying the way they did it with just handing it was the worst possible way. So that was... That was 03. Anything else even t- worth talking about? Yeah, this there? Was, I mean, this was not a terrible show by any means. It's a middle of the road yeah, SummerSlam. I mean, it, it, I just remember really not being that into the company at this period. No, I wasn't. I either. don't know what I was doing in the summer of 2003. Do you? Uh, no, I, I know you. I, I didn't know you then, so I couldn't answer I, that I, question. I, 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 I'm sad as I, I knew myself then, and I don't know. It, the one other thing I'll say 
I mean, this doesn't mean anything in terms of history, but this might have been, this must have been a pretty good match. In 1050 for the United States Championship Fatal Four Way match, Eddie Guerrero defeated Chris Benoit, Rhino, and Tajiri. That must have been a damn good match, but that it was, was okay, I remember. Okay. I, I, remember, I remember it wasn't wow, it wasn't an OMG MOTYC situation. Okay, all right. So, 03, I mean, you know, it is a little summer slack about off air. The down arrow that if, since 02, it's, it's been continuously losing buy rates, and a year like 03, being mediocre like that really helped set the template for what was to come. Meanwhile, oh, you killed it today. You killed it. Did you kill me? Those in charge would kill to have the names that they had in 03 today. They absolutely would. There's no question about that. 04 was a weird one. It was in Toronto. It was a Bizarro World crowd, folks. I believe this was the birth of Bizarro World. I think it was. I think it was. Uh, and again, on the theme of there's only a handful of matches worth talking about here. Uh, and certainly the Kane, Matt Hardy, till death to us part match is not one of them. Let's start with uh, the, the, the undercard match, as it were, the Triple H found himself in. He defeated Eugene in a singles match in 1406, but it wasn't yet a clean victory for Triple H, was it? It was still with some shenanigans. Yeah, and, and I <laughs> did not. The whole Eugene thing was a mid card act, it got hot. And Triple H, for whatever reason, wanted it, to get involved with it. It was hot, and he glommed onto it. And it was bad. It was just him being a part. Like, it was one of those things that Eugene could have been a fine mid-card babyface He could have been Santino. For a long time, yeah. people really liked him. But it gets exposed when you put him in the ring of trade. It was so. It was just like Triple H was like, "Oh, here, here's this like, kind of quirky, cute little thing going on underneath. Let me crush it for no. Like, this did nothing for Triple H. And the crowd. Now it was interesting because the live crowd really crapped on Eugene showing. Right. Again, though, to me that was the company out kicking its coverage with the angle. Right. An angle like this, I don't care how popular and over it was by press, it has a certain ceiling to it. Right. You, you don't put Eugene in the main events. And they, they learned their lesson because with Santino, they've teased that he might win the Royal Rumble. He's the second last guy in there or whatever. But they learned their lesson. A guy like that can be marketable for a long period of time as long as you don't do this. So I'm glad to hear you say this because I've never believed the Triple H line of it had a limited shelf life. I was in there to help maximize it while it was hot. No. That was all we ever had. But that's his line. His line yeah, is, that's, that's all it was ever going to be. And, and that's that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, that, that's basically like, oh, like, here's the thing. It, it hadn't been around for that long. Like, I, I mean, I'm pretty quick to get sick of things like Eugene. Right. I wasn't sick of it at this time. No, no, no. And that's, you know. It, it was just, it was, it was one of those things that seems really bad on paper, right. but it got over and they, they, they kill us, so I didn't like that, but with 04, I really liked 04, for the most part, like around, obviously, Wrestlemania, and obviously there was a lot of goodwill on the net with the Benoit title win. The Benoit Midgets Memorial yeah. and Wrestlemania. Yeah, no, obviously it's not. And I really liked some of the stuff on Raw, some of the main event matches they had, and even Backlash 04 was a good show, if I remember. They had some good shows initially. I, I thought, although, you know, JBL was a, a dreadful champion, and I will mention him briefly here, mm -hmm. that it was okay, but it was right around here that the booking just took this wild turn, and it was, it was bad. I, I remember fighting the Orton title win. I, I was like, I gotta... It was, it was weird, because... I think Triple H, it's it's kind of funny. I always got the impression that he thought there'd be a lot of heat on him if he just beat Benoit back. I think you're right. And so he's like, well, I have to do something else. And, we, I, and he wanted something else decent to work with. So he's like, well, let me have somebody else beat him so the heat's not on me and I'll just beat that guy. But logistically, it turned him a total nightmare. It was it, um, the Toronto crowd, surprisingly, was very pro-working on the show. I think it was Shades of Lesnar a couple years earlier where... Where the crowd, the booking had become so bad, the crowd just started cheering good booking. And Orton had been so well booked, and he was one of the real highlights of 2004. He, in my opinion. he was, but I was befuddled at the time and remained befuddled. That crowd notwithstanding, I never, ever got the thought that the 
crowds were just dying to cheer Randy Orton. I never the, got that the feeling. Famous Reddit. It was weird. Yeah. He Randy Orton is a and as we certainly saw in the months that followed, was a lousy babyface. He, again, he was just being cheered. He was playing a real scumbag heel. Yeah, he cannot be. Okay. Yeah, he, he was, was cheered. Character. He, it shows the difference, the change in the audience. Not a cool deal. No, any no, he, 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 no. He, he, it shows the change in the audience. And we yeah. see this a lot today where guys who are books are cheered solely based on being booked strong. Right. And no one was booked as strong in 04 as a work. Got two wins over Mick Foley. Yeah. On pay per view, had a great. Singles match at Backlash. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the crowd just cheered for him. Ben Wow, if you remember, yeah, it was real great initially, and he main evented that Backlash in Edmonton. But I thought he was kind of an afterthought. Remember, he defended against Kane in the mid card. Yeah, when when Triple H and Michaels main evented in kind of a boring hell in the cell. Yeah. At whatever the June 04 paper. I I don't remember if it was Bad Blood still in 04 or whatever, but. It was the wrong. It was just bad execution. Yep. All around. I thought that the money would have been in... Because obviously everyone knows what happens. Uh, Orton wins the title from Benoit, and then Evolution turns on him, Yep. and trip, and he goes face, and Triple H wins the title as a heel. They eventually worked it out with the Triple H Batista program. That was right. like the all-time great save in company history. And, yep. and, and one could argue that it worked better than Triple H Orton might have ever won. But to me... When the Benoit thing was running out of steam, and it kind of was, I guess. I mean, as much as I like Benoit, it didn't seem like there was a... He had a nice run, WrestleMania and SummerSlam. And today, sure. You know, in today's environment, it's not bad. Yeah. But it, it seemed like he was kind of running out of steam. You know, put the belt back on Triple H somehow. And don't you have Orton as the guy who kind of usurps the lead level, and, and they dump Triple H as the leader? Or, or do you have Orton break away from Evolution? I mean, regardless... Triple H didn't it, want to it, lose Evolution, though. Yeah, it, that was his yeah, Ric Flair vanity gimmick. Yeah, it was... It, it just... The whole thing... It's so funny that Orton came out of SummerSlam so strong and a month later was so weak. It was just like one of the most shocking things Next ever. thing you know, it's, hey, I'm beat up by Gage. Yeah, I'm yeah. You know, my big position away. <laughs> so it was on to that before you know it. But uh, yeah, it was an absolutely pathetic type of... Uh, booking situation there. You know, the only thing worth was this text message she received from Chad Reed. We can't even read. Yeah, okay. No, we're talking about off. Hello, Bobby. Someday when he's listening to this podcast, eight years from now, he's like, "Yes, I text. What's my text? I still, dude. I laugh because you did you did Sunday Night Submission in '06, and I mean, I listened to like most of it at the time. But there's things now. I told you, like I was old. I'll get like shout outs from you and Little Guy like six years later. I'm just be laughing, like, oh, kind of so glad I never responded to that. But uh, no, I mean, Orton, uh, that that was a, that was a really bad thing. He, he was made to look like a bitch the way that he turned too. I mean, he came out the next night. He was healing on the fans, still doing the "I'm better than you" thing, knowing that at the end of the night he was going to be have to get sympathy from them. They, you yeah. talk about undermining. Yeah. That was the worst. One of the things that I, I can't figure out, I mean, and, and as far as those fans goes, go in Toronto cheering him over Benoit, I almost want to say it's like those fans had a crystal ball and they knew how things were going to turn out. Well, I mean, it's almost not inexplicable. Well, the same people who cheered Hogan over Rock. Well, that's true. That's I don't like true. Toronto. No, I, I know I had a Toronto fan in the old SNS days. Barry was livid when I went off on the city of Toronto. Toronto fans, yeah. yeah. Also, no matter where I was they booed Edge on this show. Well, he was Jericho and Batista. Yeah, Edge was a babyface. This was his last vestige as a babyface, and they booed him. Well, Jericho was uh, not by now a babyface with that awful uh, Trish Stratus angle they did at WrestleMania that year. I thought but that was a fine angle. I know you did. I just wanted to just troll you a little bit there. I like that angle. That was a good mid-card feud. Well, you know Jericho what? Christian. Well, they could have been cheering Jericho, or they could have been cheering Batista, because you talked about Batista subsequently becoming champion. He was a cool heel. Remember I said Orton didn't work because he wasn't a cool heel when he turned? Batista was a cool heel. He was. And everything. Uh, and, and I'll say this. Edge had been kind of... The, the thing with Orton... Orton had been cheered a little bit, if I remember, at the previous pay-per-view Vengeance and when he lost the Intercontinental title to Edge. Yeah. But I remember Edge just being like... he was. I literally just watched his DVD 
and he made reference to that. So that's something also. This was just a weird crowd. It was. And on paper, it seemed like it'd be a good SummerSlam, but it really wasn't. I mean, it, it was not as good as the old three version. SmackDown titles, real quick. You know, we referenced oh. that after that. It really JBL that awful rain. You know, the crowd didn't like the Sun match. JBL like Undertaker. Yeah, all. wins by DQ. This is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. That many times, especially with the SummerSlam championship, it was just another pay per view. This was not a blow off match. This no, was not they, anything. They, they, they this some, feud must continue to kill Kyle Ross. They had some silly gimmick match that yeah. pay per view. I remember. Just yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought this stupid. was stupid. This was not a middle. T- there's there's five. There's 25 Summer Slams. This should have been fairly decent on paper. Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Angle wins by by submission. John Cena over Booker T in the first of a best of five series match for the U.S. title. I look at this thing and on paper it should have been fairly decent. Yeah, but to me, I, I, the Dudleys against three great workers. Uh, that uh, that spike with the Dudleys, by the way, against Mysterio, Kidman, London. How, how is this not a good show? I mean, I, it, I, I mean, think it was. It was just weird. It, to me, it just fell flat. And it was it during just, a suck period, too. Yeah, well, I, I thought it had been good for a while before. What was Sean Benjamin on this show? He was real hot. Yeah. Remember, or was that after a... That was... No, no that was still here. Yeah. yeah, where was he? He, he was... Uh, he where was, was Shawn Michaels? I think he was selling an injury gimmick to get time off. Okay. So... You know, which he would do subsequently a lot in the years to come. The next year, of course, he would be right in the middle of the main event. Uh, I didn't even do that intentionally. That was unbelievable. <laughs> Setting up the segue for Morris. The uh, the heel turn that he did. A very uh, brief heel turn. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, folks. you got to find this on YouTube. I laugh my nerds off every time I see it. Globo oh, yeah. in Montreal. Oh, 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 oh. It was somewhere in, in Canada where he's up there. He comes out in the suit and he's totally trolling. He went on the crowd and goes to sing Oh Canada yes. with his own lyrics. Yes. One of the greatest things I've ever and seen. Remember, he wanted, remember he played, they played the Bret Hart music and he started yeah. laughing? Because there was a lot of talk. Well, it was very interesting. Oh, five, they, one could argue, and, and it seems to me that we've talked about this in a previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, five is kind of the period that the brand split was kind of working a little bit. You had Cena and Batista as your two new champions. Yeah. And then they made that, what on paper seemed like the right move, of switching them, Batista to SmackDown, mm-hmm. Cena to Raw. It didn't work for whatever reason. Right. And this was the first show that Cena... You started to hear some of the boobers. I think the Let's Go Cena, Cena Sucks chant was born of this pay-per-view when he wrestled... Chris Jericho. Let's give a little credit to Captain Charisma also, because that's a guy that when he started making fun of John Cena, and we all thought it was funny and laughed along, that was the start of it, I think. And then by the time he was wrestling against an entertaining guy like Jericho, that just made it worse. Yeah, maybe that's a very good point by you. But yeah. here's the thing. It was interesting that with Cena and Batista, Batista had a real lame again, SmackDown gets the B, kind of gets the B storyline. Just a, a piece. JBL. Yeah, that just never worked that well. But they went, they decided that they needed a bigger match, and they went with Hogan Michaels, and the box office did work. This one was bought SummerSlams of all time. Mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised, because I don't remember the Hogan Angles really working that well. Because this was the first of two SummerSlams with, with, with your boy, <laughs> not my boy. By the way, another thing to look for on YouTube, the compilation videos of the greatest parts of the comedic sell job by Shawn Michaels. Yes. Shawn Michaels is the greatest oversell in the history of pro wrestling in this match. You, you talk about the, a clever way to put up a protest, Kyle Ross. Well, let's talk about how we, you know, if I give you my best Bernie Sanders, let's talk about how we got there, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Trip, or pardon me, Triple H, not another political master, but Hogan yeah. Michaels has kind of political nightmare written all over it, but they went and did it. Michaels did the heel, had kind of did the heel turn on Hogan when he hit with Sweet Chin Music. Yep. Uh, earlier in the year. On a 4th of July edition of Raw. I remember that. Wow, very good. I, was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I, I thought it was, for some reason, it thought it had been earlier. But in the end day, yeah. They had teamed up on yeah. a pay-per-view, I remember. Against uh, Davari and Hassan, I believe. Yeah. 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 Yep. That was bad. That was bad. I remember loving it when Michael's turn, but here's the thing. Hogan, being Hogan, yeah, just demanded a win. And Michael's wanted to do a two-match series. Hogan's like, that's okay, I'm winning twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is unbelievable. So basically, the end of the story is, they had been locked into the match. Michael's was livid that he was doing a clean job. Hogan said he's only doing the match 
he's it's there's only one finish him doing the leg drop. So Michael's like he's like goes into the most comical selling routine of all time. Yeah, but it, it wound up being Michael's is so good that it wound up being like kind of cool to watch. Yeah, it was, and it was fun. Then of course the next night he comes out of Raw and basically tells you you know he admits that he couldn't keep up with the athleticism of Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and that. Hulk Hogan was, you know, an ass. He, he, he pulled some creative control card and he didn't want to wrestle again. He basically just said, well, he just, he, it was 97 Michaels all over again. Those promos you would cut on Bret Hart where he started bringing up buy rates and things like that. And by continuing what had been sold as a heel act against Hogan, by continuing that the next night, he turned himself face again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, of course, he cut that great promo, that fake Larry King thing. Yeah. With, 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 <laughs> with, 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 yeah. <laughs> but this was... This was better than 04. I remember being really disappointed at the time, though. It seemed that some stuff kind of fell flat. You know, Batista, JBL wasn't very good. Cena, Jericho, I think there were a lot of people going, whoa, John Cena is supposed to franchise. This guy's getting booed. And it would then continue. Ray, Eddie. The Dominic on a ladder match? That was silly. Yeah. And Edge, Matt Hardy. I think is one of the great fumbles in company history. Now, just vengeance booking. You can talk about that, and that's obviously the easy story, and it's a correct one. Mm -hmm. But you can't downplay. It probably was tough for them to work together, but this was so poorly booked. Right. The way they did it, where they, like, they do, Edge beats them up when they have it stopped by ref. Like, that that, that was the absolute worst booking you could have done. I had not, I mean, I'm not going to say I'd never seen anything like that, but as, as far as. I, I don't. I don't remember ever seeing anything like that. At least with somebody that wasn't treated as a jobber. This was supposed to be a match of "quote unquote" equals. Matt Hardy was treated like a jobber. A rough stoppage, really? Yeah. I mean, they never do that. I mean, how pathetic are you that you can't fight back? That—that's what it comes and, off as. And that's Hardy, Hardy and they were mad. This is what that set the tone for the rest of his WWE run. What's so upsetting to me? I would always say, for me, when I do my job, mm -hmm. Ricky, I always want it made easier. Sure. Okay. Anytime, anytime something a favor falls, and I like to ride that momentum. I, I, yeah. I, I don't bite the hand that feeds. And look, they didn't create, you know, Matt, you know, Matt Hardy in this incarnation. He kind of went on his own. He went yeah. kind of a little crazy. And you know, in retrospect, he we'll never, show you. In retrospect, he never was going to be the star that Edge was. So right. I mean, you know, they, they ultimately did go with the right guy. Right. Certainly. But. Yeah, they could have had something with Matt Hardy. He had a lot of people behind him. It was a good storyline. Right. It was obviously a very real storyline. And, and they just fumbled it away. I, I, Shades of Owen Hart, like 97, late 97, could have been more as the returning Avenger. Could have been better, could have been presented better than he was. I think this would have been even bigger than that if both were executed properly. Sure, I think so. I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, I'm not going to justify anything on Matt Hardy's part, but but hey, I mean, if I've been booked the way that he was the last couple of years, I think I developed it. I don't think I kind of assume people... They just yeah. To me, like, if I was handed this storyline, yeah. first, first thing you got to do is you got to make sure the two guys... Look, guys, we're, we're, we're going to go to the danger zone, okay? It's going to be uncomfortable. Right. Are you cool to do this? Because if we're... Because the thing is, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. Well, and that's the thing. That, that, yeah, he's like, clearly angling to make this into an angle by, by what he was doing on the internet. Yeah. He clearly and, wanted to do it. Like, they... And it just seemed that they didn't want to do it. But they're like, oh, we have to. The fans want us right. to do this. So I guess we'll do I guess we'll do what the fans want us to do. To me, it's like, <laughs> that's what it's like. Yeah. It's like, ride with them. Not a man. Yeah. It's, you know, this to me should have just ended in, like, this could have easily gone to a no contest. Right. It's early. There was a lot of star power on the show. Yep. They put on early. This could have been the most easy. You talk about this feud must continue. Yeah. Well, I've been wanting this feud to continue for a long time. And this is the one feud that they race through. The heel wins a squash blow-off, and they still want the, the, the feud to go. also, I think, got a while. You know, I think there was something. Oh, yeah. The next month. They kept it. Hardy through. won the next month. But then, but then, ultimately, Hardy lost the feud because he lost, like, a loser leaves Raw match. Or like I said, if ultimately, Edge, Edge could have, quote-unquote, lost this feud and been fine because he still had the money in the bank. 
If I got booked for a half decade the way that Matt did, I think I develop a crippling meth uh, habit also. So that's uh, okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but that to me seems like one of the great fumbles. I think so. I think so. Uh, another one here. You got to be happy about this. You're always wanting the Undertaker to give back. Well, he lost to uh, Randy Orton uh, straight up in 1717. Randy Orton with Bob Orton. It didn't make up for losing at WrestleMania or losing the event. He Yeah, I didn't even remember that. He lost here. He dropped. Well, and I believe really Orton was clean. Yeah, Orton was back as a heel here where he yeah. belonged. But I, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Right? I, I just thought Orton was forever damaged by that 04 period. And uh, I, I always bought him as, I even to the, like, whatever, I thought he was so cool as the bumper. Right. I mean, he was kicking when he first started playing. Oh, wait, 09, he was pretty hot before he Yeah, but other than that, I, I've always gone back to, right. man, this guy just seems like he's missing something. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think work rate, especially in these years, was a big part of it. Also, Kurt Angle defeating Eugene to get back his Olympic gold medal. Eugene with Christy Hemi in his corner. She apparently doing the Pity F storyline with uh, Eugene. That's all I can figure. I can't remember that. Christy Hemi was hot. Really hot. Why did they get rid of her? Still is, actually. Uh, for, for any of the three people in America that watch uh, Impact Wrestling, you can see what I'm talking about. So that was 05. 06, a little bit of continuity here because you had, once again, Hulk Hogan uh, in the... Uh, not in the main event this time, but again, you tell about a guy missing something, Randy Orton, boy, he was going to be missing his wallet after this one because Hulk Hogan demands to go over him clean yes. with a leg drop, and he does. We keep bringing up, yeah, Hulk Hogan, first of all, I think there was a lot of star power in this summer. So I remember this Loaded. during SNS. Yeah. I have to go back. I'd really be interested to go back and listen to our recap of the show. I have from time to time. Because, interesting. because I was probably fairly negative at that, I'm guessing, at the time. But well, watching it at Harpo's didn't help. Yeah, I, I love Harpo's, but the crowd not so much. That's right. We have like bad seats. Well, <laughs> here's the better. We'll jump. I ahead. remember this now. We'll, we'll jump ahead to uh, the, uh, the the tag team match. Uh, DX against uh, Vince and Shane. Well, that was one where this was this was outstanding because it was one where they, they were doing. Remember how they were doing it? The McMahon's running the interference from a lot of the heels on the card. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the whole thing. I don't know if you remember this or not. I, this 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 was great. This is one of the greatest things we ever heard at that place. When the big show comes down to the ring and goes in there to, to attack DX, one of the one of the El Marcos around us. I can't believe the big show sold out. <laughs> Bless that. that was, the other greatest line of the night. Look at Hulk pose. That's great. <laughs> Those two. Look on their face is just awesome right now. Well, regardless of those very atrocious commentaries from the fans, sometimes you don't listen to the fans. But, um, <laughs> Please don't. There was a lot of star power in the show. So, oh, and so loaded. what's funny is, at the time, I probably was a little annoyed. But in retrospect, God, give me this show over anything that's happened since. There was, you know, we didn't know what was in store for us in the yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, after us. Now, 06 was a dreadful year in general. Yes, but it, it was. seemed like a lot of things crossed on this show. They added Hogan. Yeah. Uh, DX was in that semi main. You had. They reunited earlier. Yeah, Cena and Batista. Yeah. On title match programs again. Yep. You had. Big uh, Show Sabu and an ECW uh, title oh, match. I didn't bring it. You, had, but you had Big Show Sabu. Foley Flair in what was kind of some, something that, you know, I, I thought was pretty well done. Yeah, that was the ultimate match. Yeah, that was, a, especially for, you know, when those guys were... This show... Yeah, Ray after Ray's title reign got the mercy killing. Yeah, this was... There certainly has not been a SummerSlam since then better than this one. This, to me, is a second-tier SummerSlam. It's the best one we'll talk about all day today. Clearly, yeah. I, just, ba- just based on star power alone, right. it had some good things going. Now I can complain at pretty much every turn. Uh... I, Hogan going over Orton, I'm sorry, that's unforgivable. Yeah, I mean, Hogan going over Michaels mm-hmm. is fine because Michaels doesn't need that. Michaels is bulletproof. Yeah. But Orton, this was so indicative of why I viewed him for the longest time as yeah, something's missing or that kind of A minus B plus guy where, because he never really wins the really big match. He, it seemed that he's really over after all the. Other stars left. Honestly, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you I'll tell you how he ended up drawing the short straw. This this was the year of his suspension for the Chiba backstage. There's no question in see, my mind this was an extension of that. See, that's why you need me book. I wouldn't I wouldn't penalize anyone. Yeah, I know you wouldn't. But, uh, <laughs> of course, they certainly all of a sudden the elevated so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of things, we don't have to talk too long about. Once again, 
Meaningless SmackDown title match, World Heavyweight title. Batista defeated King Booker uh, by disqualification. Booker stole the other uh, champion. This feud must continue, trademark Kyle Ross. Typical SummerSlam thing of the, the match means nothing. You just extend it to the next month. You know what? Typical era. You, because it's typical this era is why we frown on it. But yeah. in this case, I would have Batista just come back. Yeah. And just by no means should he have won the title here. It would have been early for a blow-off, I'll give you that. So, But he shouldn't have won by disqualification. With the, the lame-o, Queen Charmel runs in and stops the match. And, well, it did to accomplish two things. One, the feud must continue. And two, I think it got over the... Because the other match, Cena and Edge, I this was in Boston, I think Cena saw yes. so, had some wacky rule where the champion couldn't be disqualified or something like that. Didn't right. remember the title match. So, I'll get, believe it or not, you're right, because... Macro level, we're saying, you know, all these failed things, typical, you know, you're right, it ties to that. But in this case, I'll give him a pass because this was such a loaded show. Yeah. That doing a title change or whatever. And, and you, you yeah, know, stood all and, 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 and I'm somebody you don't, I don't know, maybe you could have beat, maybe you could have Booker T get a cheap win. You, the old yeah. last knocks or something. I, I'd rather see that than, than have yeah, yeah, yeah. in the ring for that. Which the only bright spot about this as I look back on this is what an aneurysm it must have given my FDH partner and your producer at the time, Jason Jones. His hatred of Queen Charmelle. Oh, Queen Charmelle was tremendous during this period. But, like, do you remember oh, yeah, he, he, used say, he used to butt in on the show, oh, I can't believe you guys are talking about Queen Charmelle. He got legitimately upset. It was around the period. Nothing brought out the Mark Markerson and him, like, King Bookoff yeah, and Queen Charmelle. That was outstanding. Uh, again, we don't need to talk about this too long. Big Show, ECW champion, defeated Sabu in an Extreme Rules match. I don't know. Uh, speaking of people uh, serving out uh, you know, punishments for the Cheeb and her Sabu. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chavo defeated oh, it's like, it's like RVD was persona non grata here. He yeah. won the title from Cena and, you know, I think was originally supposed to be in a three-way exactly. with Cena and Edge, but it just turned into a... He, he, he was that, and then uh, a guy who I think was persona on Groton uh, 30 minutes before showtime, Mick Foley, in that I quit match with Brian I liked that match. I, that was a great that match. Was a, I like, for, for two yeah. old-timers, they went up there and they bled, baby. But the way that Molina turned on Mick Foley subsequently, I always thought that they were setting up for a Mick Foley uh, Johnny Nitro program. I, that that seemed weird that they never followed through on that. Well, it doesn't seem weird to me. It's very indicative. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that was I, kind of mean. I felt bad the way they turned on Mick Foley. Although it made sense. Yeah, that, that was. You know what? That that was another thing of like Vince living through the characters. That was Vince living through Molina. He yeah. just wants to slap Mick Foley around a little bit. I don't like Vince McMahon. He's not a nice man. Uh, speaking of Vince, uh, yeah, he and he and Shane against uh, DX, they, they did the job in the tag team match, but uh, by your your slogan, this feud must continue. They got another uh, month out of it. Yeah, the hell in the I remember us being so negative during this period. And it's funny because, God, the star power seems so much greater than it is now. Well, you and Little Guy were campaigning furiously against the DX reunion, and it, it did do pretty good business, you know. It, it, I, don't think, it, I don't think I was... He was more against it than yeah. I was. I just didn't like the execution PG nature. Like, to me, the real DX is mm -hmm. the original incarnation. Michaels is the lead. Triple H is the guy who's basically carrying his bags. That group drew real... Heat, man. This was so campy. It was. It was a total campy thing. And by, by the way, it just... just How is that... Do you know what? I thought that this never... I thought that it never did Michaels any favors. And I was a Michaels guy. You know that. Right. But he always just came across as so... I, I He was the little buddy of the group. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. It's like... Sidekick. He was clearly... It was... He was figuratively the bag carrier for this incarnation of DX. The shoe was on the other foot. I didn't like that. And that was... That Maybe was that's why I didn't like it. Well, as, 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 at, least they with the, at least they were feuding with the McMahons here, and not like in subsequent summer where they were beating potential new top two. Right. Now, here, here's, something, here's something that's way too inside for the room, but I'll go there anyways. In light of Will Guy's thoughts on the DX reunion, I did see a, a video on YouTube. Oh, good video. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't want to put down. For sure. And then in the main event, yeah, Edge uh, defeated John Cena. Once again, this feud must continue. They were Cena. stretching that out. And once again, those logistical weird things. It's funny that they... Edge did deserve a lot of time with a dull note six. Got he did. Edge was very good. But here's what's really interesting is this was in Boston, Cena loses, and then Edge loses in his hometown of Toronto. Yeah. I always disagree with you. You know me. I don't like I don't like beating the hometown guy. 
It's so indicative. For them, they had to be in heaven. They were going, great, we could beat both guys in their hometown. This is awesome. Like, by the way, why don't we go into Houston again? <laughs> <laughs> we need to get the title off Hill. You know, kid, I mean, I'm in Oklahoma City tonight. Nothing bad could ever happen to me. No, it ended on, on kind of a weird note because SummerSlam, it's had sort of on and off the notion over the years. I'd say more so in recent years where they've tried to call it cultivate the thing. Because in recent years, they've had the SummerSlam access. They, they've tried to go for the WrestleMania, WrestleMania Junior, WrestleMania of the summer kind of a thing. Always kind of jarring when they don't have the happy ending. They didn't this year at SummerSlam, and they didn't in 06 because the last match on the card was Edge getting his hand raised. And even if the Boston fans were ambiguous at best about hometown boy John Cena. Edge was such a great friggin' heel that year, nobody was cheering when that guy was holding the belt up at the end of the night. Edge was almost unparalleled in 06 of getting crowd heat. No, he was great. He deserved it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't mind the booking of you. It's funny. In retrospect, I don't mind the show. <laughs> I really don't mind the show. It is a... If it's not... It's kind of inching. I, I don't think I like it mu- as much as like a 2001 or 92. Because those are like kind of like the last two in that top tier yeah. I have. But it's in the upper part of the second tier. Is it safe to say that we all, and I, you know, you guys especially, but me for the times I made cameos, would have been a lot nicer to this show in 06 had we, uh, on SNS talking about it had we known what lie ahead yeah I, I think that well, the problem well, was that we were still comparing that, 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 that's a great point by you okay and, and I think we should end this, uh, on that because now the standards that we judge on are so like that's what always makes me laugh about when people evaluate the current paper right. use today they're judged on such a low standard me and the little fella on SNS, we always judge on such a high standard. And it's funny, compared to today's standard, this show's a, a, a home run. This, I mean, 2005 did 600,000 buys? This will be a you know candidate for card of the year in 2012. Yeah, I mean, all, man, all, these, all this different interesting stuff going on, the big stars. It just seemed that the week-to-week execution... Was just, weak. Well, <laughs> yeah, it was weak. So, it, But not, when we go on SummerSlams from here forward... It's just like, yeah, it's just not a show. You know, hopefully... You know, now it's funny. I was reading... Meltzer actually wrote this. Uh-huh. And he legit... I'll get... When we when we talk about it. Okay. The new one, I'll get it verbatim. I'll write it down when we do the next... In the next mini episode. But... He's like, well... He almost came and said, well, if you buy these pay-per-views really wanting something to happen... Uh-huh. You were disappointed. Who... <laughs> People ordering pay-per-views not wanting something to really happen? Right. I, I, that, that's just astounding to me. That is kind of weird. Oh, by the way, too, I mean, that, uh, boy, this is the last time they're going to get a chance to book him at SummerSlam. No Chris Benoit that year. What a missed opportunity. What was he doing? Uh, I, think, I, think, I think he was on that. He might have still been on injury rehab. Okay. okay. Oh, they missed their last chance to yeah. book him at SummerSlam. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. <laughs> And uh, I guess that will uh, somewhat guide where we start uh, in, in the, uh, the next one here, the immediate part of the post-Benoit uh, era of the WWE. I would say uh, the, the PG era starting right about at that point in time. So that was our point of demarcation here, 03 to 06, Kyle, and I think we covered it extensively. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all clear channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IAmBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio. Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements. 